Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Metamorphosis with Toby. Anyways, today's episode is a very, very special one as today is a very special day as well and we celebrate women internationally. Today is International Women's Day and we're having this episode to celebrate ourselves, celebrate everyone out there, everyone trying to break the bias in whatever form. It is important to know that uh, women's rights are human rights. And so today we are we're going beyond just women. We're going into doing something special. And since um, what we want to do is creating uh, gender parity a gender equal world for everyone making everything accessible today uh, this episode is dedicated to special needs children so special needs children special needs individuals uh just taking a, a step forward to creating an inclusive space for everyone going beyond the lgbtq whoever you are creating a safe space for everyone in our society and so i won't be talking alone today <laughs> i have two beautiful ladies with me just so unfortunate that you cannot see their faces but i can <laughs> that's what privilege i have anyways so today i have not so much a special guest in fact she's not a guest you all know her. she's Fisari. <laughs> so i have Fisari Ogudoro on this episode with me and in case you don't know her, you want to know her, she's a writer, she's a, 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 a gender workplace researcher and importantly she's a, a social development enthusiast. So thank you so much for coming once again to Sire. You're welcome. All right, so our special, 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 very special guest today is uh, a clinical psychologist. She's, she's an entrepreneur with interest in mental health mindfulness with mindfulness and uh, personal branding she is an advocate for for the psychological and social well-being of the vulnerable placing <laughs> emphasis on the vulnerable in society and she uh, has developed skills and expertise to advocate on behalf of children and children especially children with special needs and also she she interestingly she calls herself the encourager and <laughs> uh she she helps teenagers young adults discover who they are and one last thing that i really do like is is that while doing all of this she lightens up any room with a contagious smile and i'm sure pisario can agree with me on that looking at what we can see right now it's so absolutely again yeah that's the that you guys cannot see her you would hear her voice so i can see that for you <laughs> anyways just so we are reminded uh, we're celebrating women internationally but then we're dedicating this episode to special needs children special needs individuals to creating a safe space and accessible society and inclusive society for them all right thank you so much for listening again and so i would start with fisario uh 
what would you say about uh, inclusion? How would you talk about inclusion to anyone? So inclusion is um, is um, is um, um, creating access for everybody. It's beyond just um, accommodating people, but it involves creating things that will make people uh, uh, grow, advance, and also live their life as humans. Because when we talk about inclusion and diversity, we want to bring conversations of pe- on of people that they don't fit. They don't at times in the general uh, society. They don't fit what the society has constructed as being human. There is there is something good about them that makes them at times not fit that perspective that the society defined and for instance when we look at um people like the intersex people the LG- lgbt guys too and also uh individuals with disability with individuals hardly generally like identify them as humans whereas they are humans there are individuals just like we are so creating opportunities, creating policies, creating um, technological tools, creating um, organizational uh, strategies that actually allows um, those people to actually live their life as human. And also, it also involves creating educational um, space that makes those people involved, these individuals involved, so because they are humans and so that's inclusion. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your overview on what inclusion is. I actually have a question, but I I have another question regarding inclusion diversity. But I will come back to that. Uh, let me go to to Josephine. Uh, okay. So uh, as a as a clinical psychologist, Josephine, um, would you? explain to us um, as a clinical psychologist that works with special needs children can you explain what uh, or how we would describe or see these special needs children who are the special needs individuals special needs children okay hi Toby uh, hi Sophia so good to be here thank you very much for having me so basically uh, children with special needs so it, it, I actually switched it. Since we prefer to say children with special needs, people living with disabilities, um, because we like to identify them as human beings first without, before you know, mentioning that people will have special needs. So basically, children with special needs are individuals or children that have or that require special care, um, whether in school or at home, for one reason or the other, let's say they have um, the learning disability or behavioral um, concerns. So that's the you know, lazy man language for defining who works each which are the special needs. Okay. All right, thank you. So you, you said you did say something about people with special needs and disabled people. Did you? Children with special needs or people living with disabilities. Or people um, living, yeah. okay, or people yeah. living with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so would you say, mm-hmm. okay, or would you say this? Is there is there any difference in the way we we talk about them, or 
they are they are all the same like talking about uh, special needs and disabled people so first of all i think the first difference would be about the age group so if you're talking about a child with special needs so you're talking about a child okay but you're talking about people with this is a more generic term so it could involve both children and adults and then the special needs i think apart from that it's just the it's just you know the age apart from that disability could either be physical disability um intellectual disability whatever it really depends on type of disability but um they're not really different yeah they're not different okay. all right thank you so fisayo the, the question i had for you was on um diversity and inclusion and i was still bringing that to people or children with special needs so i saw something someone said that one misconception about diversity is that inclusion magically happens once there is enough diversity however inclusion only occurs when say employees feel supported and valued would you agree with that in line with your definition of or your explanation on inclusion. Yeah, so, so the only time. Go ahead. Uh, yes, so there is uh, there's um like a, a phrase out I would say a phrase term that is like that this like for us I want to use disability inclusion and it can be defined as the like creating equal space for everyone to try. So it's a space where you create a um an opportunity for everyone to thrive and that is particularly about being valued being seen as important and also being uh such individuals everyone having equal access to um to tools to doors it should not just be a stair a staircase there has to be like a hallway where everyone can actually walk so even if you're on crutches even if you 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 have a kind of deformity like you have same space and when you have like for instance if it's a mobile phone they have to be that um tools on the mobile phone that allows uh people for instance people that are blind things that makes them like be able to use these things these things that humans would use and they would not feel out of place so it includes being valued also it's not just like it's not all about creating accommodation or providing accessibility there has to be that value that comes with it that care that empathy that love mm-hmm. that comes with all these um uh multicode um policies or approaches that every individual every family every organization the society really wants to like take so that's where the diversity and inclusion really comes from okay. all right thank you for for that explanation so just me so in um, i'm having worked with with children uh, with, with special needs children and in a time of working with them Would you see that there has been some sort of gender stratification say in in the way um male males are being treated as against females just in in your line of work with working with them do you think there's like a parity or is there a stratification between dealing with them um So generally uh I would say yes and no. 
It really okay. depends on the setting. I'll, I don't want to say yes and then I don't say no. So I'll say yes and no. So in some okay. settings, in some settings rather, or places, yes, you know, you would see um, that, oh, they want to focus on the male um, person with the disability first because they feel, okay, this male person has more prospects. So, you know, I'm talking about, you know, rural areas or areas where uh, awareness or enlightenment is really low. All right. So if you want if a, a family, for example, has two children and there's one that has, you know, a disability and maybe another person, so a girl and a boy, for example. So sometimes you would see the family wanting to actually you know, put the male person forward. The male okay. person. For this person, you know, that person, whether it's a for example, and in another setting, this wouldn't be the case. So it really depends on the setting and the level of awareness available. So sometimes there's a, there could be disparities in ownership, or they could even put the girl forward. And sometimes the disparity could not even be about gender, it could be about the level of disability. So uh, it's really a yes or a no. So I would just say yes, I would just say no. Okay, okay. So having, okay, so this in in Nigeria, as mm. I, I, I did know that there's, there's a disability act that was kind of um, brought forward about four years ago. Do you think that this, this act or law is really being followed because I, I, um, I didn't know that it had about eight subsects and one, the, the number one that is really important is about um, creating awareness and looking into forms of discrimination and making people know or learn better about disability or disabled people. What do you have to say about this law? Is it is it visible? Is it working? Or is it just something that's just there? Mm. Uh, well, I, I would say that the law is the step in the right progress. It's something that's good. And now that we have just as I said, you know, the first part talking about awareness, I would say the awareness is getting better. Of course, there's a lot we can do, but we have a lot of people speaking up and, you know, talking about how things should be done, done just like, you know, what we're having today. So I wouldn't say it's just there. I would say um, we are doing our best to put our faces out there, to give, you know, people with disabilities voices. They too are also realizing that they have a voice despite the fact that, oh, I have a disability doesn't mean I am, what's the word now? I have a problem if I could use that word. So we're working in hand with the government, you know, we're speaking out, NGOs are being created. And yes, it's a step in the right direction. We just have to do our part. Um, yes, the government will put a law in place and it's actually, mm-hmm. yeah, just basically <laughs> working together to make sure that it is being um, enacted. So if you see something that's wrong, flag it up. Uh, this woman, I don't know, Nike, I didn't see her yesterday. She, um, yeah, that's an advisor, you know, to the government because it's government on disability. So, you know, using like that, yes. She may have a disability, but she's making a living out of herself. And so <laughs> things like that, I would say, um, are steps in the right direction. Our government, or some of our leaders are realizing that they are part of Nigeria and they too actually have a voice. So yeah, I would say it's doing well. You can do better, but I wouldn't say it's just a, a 
Good Lord. Good Lord. All right. Thank you for for that explanation. Thank you for for making us understand that on a different level. So to you, Fisayo, I know she um, Josephine did say something about that disability isn't about just being deformed or trying to be um, just trying to give us awareness on who this set of people are. So Fisayo, my my question to you will be on the issue of naming and inclusion what what would you say regarding mm-hmm. naming this set of people disabled people or disability having to mean that they have a, a special ability or ability to do things in a different way what what would you say about the process of naming and inclusion so one naming in this sense could be seen on two levels okay so the first even the first thing first is the fact that we have to know that these are human beings so saying disability or disabled or like when you say ableism ableism is like um ableism is like uh, discriminating against people that uh we call disabled but yeah so first is first thing for me that i would say is that yes these are human beings and that's the standpoint even before we want to say disabled or abled people so but one thing that i see about naming is that another angle to it is that there has to be an identification so that these issues can be addressed um, um organizations can be set up because if we don't identify that there is or uh, there is there, there is um there is um it's it's kind of uh, clumsy like there is uh, a kind of a uh, behavioral or uh, um, um a brain defect that, that that could be called like cerebral palsy or there is something called like autism you know when we don't uh, when we don't identify such things then the, 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 there are there might not be opportunities ways by which organizations or uh, the medical space uh public health space can actually like work hand in hand to actually develop how do we actually take care of this one in human beings how do we approach talking to these people how do we how do, do we even create educational curriculum that makes them fit into education and enjoy equal access as everyone so naming is is first like we understanding that these are human beings so naming is not to limit it shouldn't be like to limit or discriminate naming should it should be we seeing these as um human these are human beings so naming is just for us to actually like take action create support because the whole um, goal of the international women's day is that we break in the bias we break in the stigma that is attached to uh into people to women and by extension this all also goes to people with disability because for instance if we talk about nigeria and africa basically inclusive spaces are yet to be provided like more like much in organizations in schools supportive educational system that addresses and take care and attend to each child 
because of who they are as human beings. So I hope I'm able to like address the issue with Nini. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You, you, you really did a good, good job on that. Thank you. All right, Justin. So in in a bit to to create an inclusive space for everybody, irrespective of wherever you fall on the on the ladder. Um, what, what exactly are the challenges that this special needs children or individuals face like on a daily basis? Because uh, for us to really be able to talk about ways to ways to make the society um, inclusive, or in, in, um, for us to be able to do the, the needful, we need to have a, a knowledge of what exactly the, the challenge is. So what exactly are the challenges of Special needs children, special needs individuals. Um, first of all, just the poor mindset, you know, poor mindset and you know, poor perceptions of people around them. Basically, mm-hmm. people that don't understand um, what a disability is or how it doesn't necessarily make them different. So from there them a lot of challenges of the way people speak to them, the way people act towards them, the way people treat them. So for example, a child in a wheelchair, this is you know, uh, like the condition that I mentioned, um, cerebral palsy, I know sometimes it could also um, affect, you know, um, yeah, facial, you know, formation. So yeah. if there is proper orientation towards another child oh okay this is someone just like you just like he may be different the person may just go oh mom what's wrong with him why doesn't he you know why does he look that way and then the child is never puts this and like oh so i'm actually different so there's something wrong with me so that's why you see so that's where i come in you know um as a clinical psychologist you see people with living with disabilities and then they have mental health issues, they have low self-esteem, um, they have anxiety, they don't want to go out because they don't want to be stigmatized. So the major challenge I would say they are facing is when we, I would say we, because um, when I was in Finland, I also had such poor mindsets and a poor perception towards these people. And then yeah, it also affects the way they are treated. It affects the rules that are made to see what kind of policies are being made. You know, for example, Fusayo, you know, mentioned the accommodations that should be done. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, what do organizations of buildings, how accessible are they? Because sometimes they may not want to go out because, oh, um, how do they move? Do you understand? How do they, uh, how mobile is it for them? They don't have a car, so they're thinking that we we'll have to get bought. How do I put the bus? No bad roads, and they know bad roads affect us. So just imagine um, someone that can't really stand properly or walk properly. So accommodations like that could also be a challenge. Rules could be challenges. Policies that are made could be challenges. So um, yeah, these are simple challenges that you know I could count and say yeah, that could actually affect them. Mm. All right, thank you. All right, so Fisayo, I just want to ask you this. Um, somewhat broad or general not seemingly related question but personally if you hadn't been um say um exposed to some of the things that you know now how, how, how would you perceive a person with a, a special needs individual or how did you 
in the past that perceives them? Is it different now or has it just been the same? How, how do you naturally, your preconceived notion about them? How would you? Oh, I, it kind of, it's kind of difficult because my preconceived notion, um, normally like growing up in a space like Nigeria and mm-hmm. where, you know, where, like people tend to like go away from you, even when you just even look a little bit dirty or tattered, mm-hmm. you kind of have like people drift away from you. So, and when one grows up in such spaces where there is that kind of alienation to people that we think they don't fit into maybe our social class our facial look and um, our body posture or in terms of maybe mental capacity we kind of like want to alienate such people and move away so i think i would say that i i i would have like i would say that i i had that uh, kind of perception of some sort of alienation and some sort of discrimination to people that are to human beings that I, I in my own sense i feel like they don't feel they, they are not in the same space with me but also i would also say that over time as i grew older i kind of um now uh, warm up if not totally warm up to these individuals so i would say it's like um an impact of the society i grew up in because I wasn't aware of uh, people that maybe had cerebral palsy, people with um, special needs, needs children. I wasn't so aware. I wasn't in school, in a school where we have like most students that are, are like this and we see them as part of us. So the kind of spaces I was exposed to were m- much more restricted, which like influences how I, uh, influenced how I actually see individuals okay all right uh thank you for being honest with us <laughs> so just mean as as a clinical psychologist what, what what exactly do you do to help this set of people uh first off if we help them so let me start from them we help um treat whatever psychological or mental concerns they may have just as I explained sometimes we see them that they come down with um, anxiety uh, it depends on the type of anxiety sometimes it's social anxiety and you know that's scary wanting to you know go out and you know, be in you know, open spaces and that could you know start to affect their function in terms of the, me- the moment they think of what they're going out you know, they, they, they start having, you know, physical symptoms and that could be very, okay. um, thing. so we treat, you know, uh, or we help them improve their psychological well-being, first of all, and then we also help them cope, if I could say, you know, help them to create healthy coping strategies, because sometimes we see that a person with uh, ADHD, for example, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, when they grow up as adults, you're able to function. Sometimes they're unable to function. So you see someone with ADHD abusing a substance. So maybe taking marijuana or taking cocaine to deal with the ADHD. Sometimes they're not even aware that they have ADHD. Sometimes they're aware that they have ADHD, but they don't know how, they don't know how to get help. 
So they just get okay, maybe it's probably a wrap of my water and then they take it because they want to cool down their thoughts um, or to deal with the ADHD. And at the end, that just creates a whole lot of problems, creates addiction, sometimes leads to psychosis. So um, just try to help them manage and cope healthy, health, you know, in a healthy manner. And so on the other side, we create awareness as well. So awareness of okay, this is the problem, how can we deal with it? Addiction, for example. So we're spreading it about ADHD, we're spreading it about um, whatever disability it could be, maybe an intellectual disability, and how you can identify for yourself and what to do. You know, people living with autism, you know, things like that, that you can still function with these disabilities. I have a friend who is an occupational therapist, and she would say she has a disability because she's wearing glasses. She needs glasses to see. So just about creating accommodation for this set of people, you can function in your own way. Um, also, I say basically we help them identify their strengths because most times they're clouded and, oh, I have a problem. Oh, I can't do this. But, you know, I think it's like all this, we point them to you are able to think on the spot. You're able to brainstorm. You're very good with tech or you're very good with music. How can we uh, improve that? How can we maximize that to, you know, give you a functional life? So it's not about, oh, you have a problem and then you sit at home. No, we create functional living for these people. We equip them with skills and, you know, it's really a whole lot, but, you know, we're just putting our things out there to help them. All right, thank you. All right, so Fisaya, I know you, you did touch on physical accessibility earlier on. Yeah, so I, I was going to talk about um, accessibility in employment spaces, accessibility in educational spaces, institutions. What, what do you have to say about that? Because I know you, you did say, you did give instances of having physical spaces, uh, accessible physical spaces like doors, um, entrances that are not just staircases and all of that. So how would you say that um, there could be some sort of inclusion when it comes to employment, when it comes to education? So um, creating inclusion when it comes to um, workplaces, um, education, even supermarket is like, for instance, well, uh, like uh, we should have like ramps where like ramps, it seems like an hallway walkway that's just straight ahead instead of a staircase, you know, those are some of the things that organizations, educational institutions can put in place, the use of elevator, escalators, those are some tools that organizations and educational spaces can put in place and even public spaces those are the things that should be found in public spaces in general it's not something that should be debatable basically and also is that organizations should create like awareness because when we are aware about our society about who we are as humans because being a human being is not within the spectrum of um just being uh, mentally uh, just be like being brilliant, being a man and a, being a male and a female. Um, it's beyond the general um, quoted status quo that we have created as human beings because most of the things we have is like a construction, but 
it stretches beyond what we think we know so being aware of what is in happening in our society number one is the first two in my in my perception for every organization every teacher must know that i i, I have a student that is hyperactive so when a child just wants to scream it might not be because the, the child is troublesome it might be the fact that oh this child is just hyperactive so i just have to understand that this is this child and just how to manage and possibly talk to such children so it's for first for us like being aware and also creating um accessibility by the use of not just providing staircase but by providing ramps elevators and the likes and also um the use of like for instance for people like uh, that are blind they could have like on their mobile phone if a, a voice recording applications so technological tools are also things that have made um accessibility like a a very awesome. yeah mm-hmm. very wonderful like thing so that as we introduce improvements act basically into the whole uh, conversation about inclu- creating inclusion like and diversity and um, awareness is very important effective pol- effective and working policies because we have policies and uh, we intend to dis- uh, design them or make them seem that they are effective but are they really really working within institutions the do do directors do the teachers do teachers know certain things when it comes to the student they have in their class the teachers know uh what they should do for all for students that they feel are just not like maybe they are different in a way from what they think other students have who are the uh what are the organizations so for instance in my university now there's something called there's a space called accessibility center there are students with hd hd ADHD that they know that they can't write their exam in a very crowded space so they give them a more bigger space only them well ventilated space just for them to be coordinated to write their exam or maybe it's maybe technology they want to use the computer and they don't just want to use the paper to do the exam so there are provision provisions like that that organizations institutions should put into place but this can only be achieved if we are aware about what is in us what is happening in our society what is the uh, uh, individuals the kind of child the kind of adult that we have and you know as we even grow older as adults many of us also we come up with disabilities that you do yes um, um there's this uh, disease now like you say brain brain loss or parkinson that other adults elderly people now have so one way or the other is just for us basically being happy i think awareness is the first thing basically i hope not talk too much all right thank you all right so um just for me we do appreciate i've been listening to you we really do appreciate your your your, your work what you do with with this set of people um but i i would like to ask again what what other steps or what things do you think that government agencies private agencies are doing to tackle this to to help these children or special needs individuals first and also to tackle the issue of discrimination stigma i know we've said a lot about awareness so did you say what are they doing or what should they do 
Yes, so if, yeah, we, we could start from we could start from what are they doing and what needs to be done. If yes. Okay. Um. Uh, just pick up from where Fisayo stopped in terms of accommodations for uh, people with disabilities or special needs. So I'll say, what are they currently doing? I know some schools, particularly some that I've worked with and some that I've even worked in, they are inclusive schools in terms of they take um, or they admit children with special needs. Okay. So um, there's an SCN department, there's a special education needs department, they have facilitators, so they have sessions with the children in class and out of class, or more in class, okay. so that they are part of the learning. You understand? So, oh, they don't have that mindset at all okay, because I'm unable to write for example um, I have to be taken out of class or I have to be in a separate class so you know there's support in class and out of class um, and just the examples that she gave um, sometimes more accommodations are given for these people in terms of time so if you know that they would give a task for 10 minutes to typical children you typical children um, they could give this set of people like 15 minutes or 20 minutes Sometimes they need breaks in between. So just about accommodation, but are learning accommodation, behavioral accommodation. Um, so in terms of mm, if they, an act is done, so oh, instead of spanking or sometimes those things okay. you know, don't really um, help, it could be like a conversation with the child. Okay, I know that you're upset. Okay, what exactly is going on? Because sometimes these behaviors are expressions of what is going on in, inside them so maybe they're triggered or they're uncomfortable okay so these are accommodations that i know have been done in schools certain inclusive schools and organization wise i will say that is still coming up for private organizations so um i wouldn't really say i know one or two organizations that do that um, but I know, you know, accommodations are being in terms of, okay, how can we employ um, an organization, how can we employ someone with disabilities? Uh, because sometimes they have lots of talent. I know they have lots of talent, maybe tech-wise or even down to soft, hard skills like makeup. So, um, yeah, I would say that government, you're doing what they can in terms of, so there's a law, um, they're enforcing it in different ways you can, different um, states doing what you can. So, but part of what we should do, um, I would say awareness is key, awareness is key, um, speaking up, having breaks for people that can't take on so much at the time in terms of work-wise, okay, employing this category of people you see on LinkedIn or on Instagram, oh, okay, this was my first day at work and I did extremely well. There's someone with uh, maybe autism or cerebral palsy. Why, how can we bring those kind of things to Nigeria? Okay, you know, those things are mostly done, you know, still then done abroad outside the country. So it would be nice if we see such in our country here in Nigeria. Um, more inclusive schools, more mainstream schools, okay, um, that can accommodate this set of people. And even if they have to take them out of school for one reason or the other, it shouldn't be done in a way that, okay, you have the problem, so you need to stay in school for, you need to stay out of school for two weeks. You know, sometimes we see those kind of things and then we just shake our head in our practice, oh, 
they come to us and uh, facility oh school said we need a report because I and then we look I'm like what's going on here so on the part of organization say to us we need to be aware okay. sort of people and yeah so awareness is key for themselves and for the society provision, physical um infrastructural provision for this set of people learning accommodation for this set of people employment accommodation for these set of people uh and yeah I think that that, is, that would also affect our mindset and how we treat them okay all right so thank you um obviously with your line of line of work and what you do it, it cannot be overstated that you're breaking bias with what you do you're breaking the stigma and working with this people this this set of children this set of individuals so would you agree that our differences um can bring about inclusion can can bring lead to having an inclusive space 100% yes i can't believe everybody was like me how the world be so the world is very very boring <laughs> so yes that's that's what we advocate for what are our strengths and how can we capitalize on them to achieve a common goal we are not in a competition with ourselves we need to understand that in breaking the bias the first thing we need to understand is we are not in a competition we are all achieving the same goal so a businessman has a company he wants to make money so what does he do he employs goal-driven people he employs people mm-hmm. that are passionate about what he wants what he wants to make money so i have a company and i want i need someone that is very good in tech someone that is very good in social media management someone that is very good in email marketing so the person needs 10 or 15 more minutes accommodation time okay no problem how can i bring you into my company and we're still achieving the same goal so yes our differences shouldn't be what to take us apart it should actually be what you know brings us brings us together i would just say that okay all right so fisayo i would um i think i think this this um last questions will be in two parts um how would you as an individual how, how would you break the bias or how have you been breaking bias breaking stigma um um what i would start is number one is being realistic in the sense that accept that you might not have been breaking the bias or you might still be in that space where uh your perception of your friends people around you could be kind of negative you one has to come to that sense because you don't you know one thing that has to come with breaking the bias is the sincerity and the honesty that comes with doing it for me so this is me talking from a personal landscape now so it's the sincerity that comes with it and you can't achieve that sincerity without you being aware of your own personal bias it could be from just the way you see people basically like oh she you know and like you for even from just body shaming someone it's it's like it's you not creating an inclusive space it's someone not creating an inclusive space so first is being aware of your own personal bias how you you one man even be acting 
using discriminative um discriminatory words uh sentences and all so that's first for me like being aware like being aware of one's bias then also now gradually like learning more reading more because awareness is key what you don't know you can't really like what you don't know you don't know it and you can't work on it but what you know and you are aware about you can work on it you can see how you can be better so being aware reading more on about i'm not just a girl i'm not just a woman there are also other women there are men there are other women that don't even fall into my spectrum of what a woman is so being aware of that uh that diversity that comes with our personality is very very like important then continue working on yourself it's a gradual process i don't think anyone or even an organization has fully fully got into the position where they you would say like fully this is full diversity and inclusion it's a work in progress so we continue to grow every day and we have to give ourselves that space of growing every day so that's that's what i would say all right thank you so my my last question to you fisayo will be how can our differences bring about inclusion how and, and that is if you agree that's you know our differences can bring about inclusion and is basically from us seeing the equality in who we are how we are different but what what that how that difference also brings us together as human being human being humanity is basically the core of pushing diversity and inclusion and being human is also coming with love empathy care and concern so that's it All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much ladies. So it is still International Women's Day and this episode is dedicated to special needs individuals. So we are taking a step forward to going beyond the LGBTQ community to to how uh, our special needs individuals can be or can enjoy inclusive space. And so first and foremost, it is key, like, like we have heard over and over again in this episode, that awareness is key. It is important. Awareness is important. It is just unfortunate that sometimes we, as e- we even as individuals, we reinforce this bias. We reinforce some form of stigmatization unintentionally but in, it is important for us to keep learning like we've heard it is a process keep learning um making yourself aware of the differences around you and how we all can be or create a better and inclusive society and so we will end today's episode by um we we'll enter this episode with this quote from Emma Watson it says uh, if we stop defining each other by what we are by what we are not and start defining ourselves by what we have we can all be freer we look beyond our, our physical appearances look beyond our deformities going to our, our values our cause what we can do we will all be, be freer and live uh, a more inclusive life. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Metamorphosis with Toby and once again thank you Josephine, thank you Fisayo for being on this episode. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. All right. <laughs>
Nice to meet you. 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 Nice to